Are we, we like we're, we're good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't feel like I was uh, had enough time. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. 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 <laughs> How'd your microphone Hello. get all the way over there? Hello. Hello. I more hear the squeaking than like the. Andy's so mad. I thought about Andy today as I was driving <laughs> here, not just because I was driving here, but because I was listening to, again, my new favorite podcast, Inside the Closet, and the guest that they had on was eating something, and I was like, yo, like, why is your producer not telling you this is not okay? Because it was like, <laughs> as she was talking, and I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Oof. Yeah, and they're like uber professionals. Mm-hmm. Apparently not. Andy, they need you. Anywho. Anywho. What's good? Not much. No? You know, adopting a fifth cat. I know. Remember that time Andy said you couldn't have any more cats? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at him. He's so mad. He's so mad, but then, like, he's he's so reluctant. First of all, he's not nearly as mad as when I brought Fitz home He's without telling him. He's poking his own eye out right now. No, no, no. <laughs> because technically he went with me to get this cat, right? Yeah. But Fitz, Fitz I just brought home in a carrier one day and dropped him on the ground. It was like, look, I got this thing. <laughs> no, actually, I just opened the crate and I remember Andy going, there better not be anything in that. Is there something in that? And oh, there was. Oh, man, he, he is. He was mad. But like, just look at him. He's not that mad. Defeated. He's not that mad about this one. He's fine. He even liked him. He petted him. And he last night, the kitty slept between us with his little snuggly Aww. back towards me and his paws straight out and directly in Andy's face. So this is five cats. Mm-hmm. That's an acceptable number. See, I agree. You have a big house. That's what I'm saying. Look, That's I have five cats and how many There's are with no, us right you, now? I see no cats. Exactly. I see here no traces of cats Exactly. Right now. Yeah. No, so. I totally get that. Because again, I, I, we have, how many do I have? Seven? Yes. <laughs> and it's rare that there's ever more than zero to two cats in a room. Yeah. So like, that's what I'm saying. That's what Andy's like, no more cats. But like, look how many cats technically right now we have none. Yeah. No cats. No cats. But so maybe if we get a sixth one. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think Andy said that if I got a sixth one, he would, um kill two of them or put two outside or something like that that's so we'd terrible. get back down to four that's what i said and he definitely would not do that i know that's a terrible threat you wouldn't do it don't look at me that way you would not do yeah. that sweet angel andy you wouldn't no. do it you're not you gonna wouldn't. put a cat outside i'm not fooled by you no i know me neither <laughs> does not does not fool me no absolutely but. not that's all, you know, that's my most, that's my coolest thing I've done lately. Yeah, I haven't, well, I've, that's not true. I was going to say I haven't done anything cool lately, but that's not true. I did, um, well, let's see, I haven't seen you in a week, so what have I done? I did, um, well, I did the Planned Parenthood lobby day today. Oh, that he would do. Andy's text is saying he would put me outside. That's that he way would do. more likely. Yeah. Way more likely. But, like, whatever, I'll come pick you up, and then you can come to my house where the seven cats are. It's fine. Can I bring my five Fuck cats? Yeah. Fuck yeah, you can. So what you're saying is that you could have a total of 12 cats in your house. If I just want to let Mike perfect. If I was like- <laughs> I'm just going to text your boyfriend right now and say. If I was, like, if I was like helping you, then yeah, you bring those babies right on over. podcast. <laughs> God damn. She would. Yep. Focus, Danny. Focus. Okay, so. um. So I did Planned Parenthood Lobby Day today. I 
What else have I done this week? This has really been my first week really diving deep into the world of spin classes. And so my ass is feeling um, a little hurt. Your ass is grass. My ass is feeling a little hurt, but she's getting better. Your my knees, my You're quite I'm, literally, I'm butt quite hurt. literally butt hurt. <laughs> but I don't know. It's not like really my butt. It's like my um, like you just like, wiggled. She's wiggling like to figure my, out what her body is. Yeah, it's like your bone. Is it the bone? It's it's is my it butt the... bone, but it's also like the part of your thigh that like starts your butt, like right here. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's mostly where it hurts from, like, the seat and stuff. But I fucking love it. So I'm going to be so fit. My ass is going to be so big. <laughs> I'm going to be this tiny little girl. Big ass. <laughs> Never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> but um, it's making my knees better. So that's good. That's good. My old lady knees. That's good. Yeah, I was, like, really worried at first that I was going to hurt myself because my knees are uh, apparently a lot worse than I realized. You're such stop, an old stop person. Stop texting my boyfriend. <laughs> what? Twelve. You must be insane. Um, He's already got like three lined up in the past five minutes. I know. Anyway, I'm just gonna tell him you're spinning lies on what you said. I said I regret giving her your number. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah. So I did Planned Parenthood lobby day today, which was really fun and inspiring and awesome. Um. But uh, it was interesting because my mom and I were, like, among very, 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 very few people in line at lunchtime for the vegan-vegetarian option. And I just was like... Really? So what was the vegan option? It was a salad. I mean, it was a pretty decent salad. Um, But still, like, everybody else was getting their, like, you know, probably turkey and cheese sandwiches or whatever else they were getting. And I just was like... You know, and then somebody, one of the um, people who spoke made a joke about vegetarians, actually. And I was like, so I turned to my mom and I was like, see, this is like kind of where I think the two worlds meet and like where I could do something really valuable in because, you know, like I've said before, I obviously feel very strongly about being a vegan and animal rights and all that. But I don't get I, there's nothing I'm more passionate about than women's rights and reproductive mm-hmm. rights. Um but, like, that's where the two meet, right? Because mm-hmm. people lobby and campaign and advocate and protest and all that for reproductive rights while, like, drinking milk and eating cheese and all of this shit. Right. And I'm like, yo, like, guys, please, like, can we have a conversation about this? Because there is a connection. And I know it's a hard connection for some people to make and it might sound extreme, but, like, it's there. Like, how can you advocate for reproductive rights and support dairy like really mm-hmm. not even just you know it, feminist issues or women's rights in general but specifically reproductive rights how can you advocate for reproductive rights and support dairy was just a really um big thought in my mind today at the Planned Parenthood rally because it's such a disconnect mm-hmm. you know such a disconnect so that's you know I want to try to find a way to kind of bridge that gap and break into that world so you know, once I become like really famous and stuff, I'll be able to <laughs> infiltrate. <laughs> but until then, you know, Alana Glazer was there from Broad City. That was cool. Hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Lots of pink, lots of like cheering and such. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. A lot of it was like, um. Uh, the stuff that they wanted to pass 
um, was a lot of um, trying to prevent um, funding uh, from going, obviously, like losing funding for Planned Parenthood and stuff and all this stuff with Title X and people losing their health care who go to Planned Parenthood because all of this money is being funneled elsewhere from places that support abortion and all that. Mm-hmm. But then the one thing that they were trying to um, talk to legislators about that I was really passionate about and interested in was they have this really comprehensive beautiful agenda for sex education in schools from kindergarten through 12th grade and it's so good and I'm like oh my god this is exactly what schools need because it starts Mm -hmm. it starts as early as kindergarten like under getting kids to understand not like don't touch each other <laughs> like right. the, the idea of keeping your hands to yourself right and and like more the idea of like acceptance and and all of that and like then it moves through each grade and like a lot of it is just around acceptance and then it goes into like gender versus bi- biological sex and um sexuality and you know all of that it's really 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 interesting and it so little of it is around abstinence um and so little of it. I mean, there's obviously like the wheel. Let's put a condom on a banana. But like, that's really not the focus. The focus. I don't think is I ever like, actually did that. I had zero sex education. I, uh, did we? <laughs> I think Next I think we had nine. a little bit in health too. Yeah, like in, that's in what middle I remember. school, like a little bit, but there was no bananas or cotton. There and, like, was no bananas. I remember a no, discussion none. about like STDs if you get yes. semen in your eye. Like, <laughs> I remember. I remember the class in health around STDs and yes. HIV and AIDS and yeah, all of that. And that was it. And I yeah. remember. Um, lo- I remember watching a video in seventh grade of a baby being born. Gross. But like you're so young because I can remember before going into seventh grade that like that's what everybody talked about. Oh, when you get to seventh grade, you watch this gross video. You know right. what I mean? Like there's fucking no sex education. And I went to like a a good school like Niskuna High School is a big school. It's a good, you know, like top ranked school in New York. There's fucking no sex education, no. you know. Um, and they talked a lot about like good resources for parents because sex ed should begin at home and like all of this stuff. It was just really, really interesting. And like, I feel very strongly about that. So I like, I was curious about that part of it for sure. And seeing what comes from that. But I know it was an interesting day. That's cool. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. I keep thinking I play footsie with you. I'm playing, but uh, it's not. It's a garbage can. And then it's my dog's head. Well, you were playing footsies with me before. And I was like, okay. <laughs> At first I thought you were trying to get my attention, but then I was like, oh no, you just want to put your feet on me. Okay. Oh cool. yeah. You and Andy love putting your feet on me. Mm-hmm. So weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Didn't he grab your foot once? Yes, he did. Yeah, that was nice. That's very, yeah. Keep your hands to yourself, one. Andy. God. Anyway. Yeah. So. Did we introduce this podcast or oh, we did? Did we? No. <laughs> I couldn't remember. No. When we do things out of order like this, I get confused. Oops. We also don't do it when we do things <laughs> in order. But usually Andy yells at us by now. Yeah, so you didn't yell at us. Sure. Uh, he was um, thinking about his fifth cat. He was. Oh. All the cats. All the cats. Um. Anyway. This is the V-Spot podcast. And I'm Kat. And I'm Danny. That was easy. Yeah. Moving on. Should we introduce the other person that we're... That we're about to have? Yeah. Yeah. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to do it or are you going to do it? I figured you would do it. Oh, I guess I can do it. Um, I don't know. Okay. So 
Um, I wish we see this is when with this whole recording video thing, this is what you need to record because our faces are funny like this. But when you put a camera in front of us and tell us to talk to a video, it just goes. Yeah, completely frozen. But like if you just film our reactions normally, like when I said, okay, and Kai went, okay. Okay, great. And then I went, (laughs) you know, gold. So um, on today's episode, on today's episode. Oh, that was good. (laughs) On today's episode of the V-Spot podcast, um, we have Maya Gottfried. Um, Maya, I'm going to read her bio from her book. Um, Maya is the author of the acclaimed children's book, Our Farm by the Animals of Farm Sanctuary and Good Dog. She has also written for print and online publications ranging from the Huffington Post to Lilith Magazine, often focusing on the topics of veganism and animal rights. Uh, Maya has also worked in public relations for an international animal welfare organization. Um, oh, she has three adopted cats. We didn't talk to her about her cats. Mm. <sighs> anyway, um, so Maya also wrote this awesome book called Vegan Love, Dating and Partnering for the Cruelty-Free Gal with Fashion, Makeup, and mm-hmm. Wedding Tips. Um, so coming up next for your listening pleasure is our chat with Maya around her experience living a vegan life, but also um, all of the things that went into writing this really helpful book for anybody who is um, just joining the vegan world and really not sure how to navigate it or um, are already in the vegan world and just need some advice or reassurance or camaraderie or whatever else you may need. This book is great. So listen to the podcast. You're already listening, so keep going and then get her book. Yeah, there you go. Okay, bye. Slash to be continued. Yeah. Slash whatever. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Um, Hi, Maya. Thank you for... uh, joining us for the podcast tonight we're like super excited to have you i'm super excited to be here thanks <laughs> um i just pushed a cat off my lap so that was not very <laughs> vegan no i'm sorry <laughs> I, was, I, I was nervous that he was gonna like nudge the microphone or whatever i feel bad now um, <laughs> i mean he's walking away dejected so it's fine <laughs> Um, so maybe, um, we can, we usually like to start off when we have guests on the podcast by maybe having you just tell us a little bit about, um, your vegan journey and why you went Mm -hmm. vegan and, um, how long you've been vegan and why you went vegan and just kind of the 411 on you. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Okay. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I first, well, I was vegetarian for a year before I went vegan. Um, and I went vegetarian because I discovered Farm Sanctuary when I was actually looking for a home for a cat um, who I was fostering. And it was in the days of MySpace, like ancient history. Oh, 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 man. oh MySpace. <laughs> Those days when you had your top, what was it, top seven friends? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, top nine. Or whatever. Top top, yeah, top something. <laughs> top Those something. Days. Yep. <laughs> um, I was friending every animal rescue group that I could find on MySpace, trying to find a home for a cat who I was fostering. Um, and I discovered Farm Sanctuary and I, became a little obsessed with their website. And from what I learned about factory farming through Farm Sanctuary's website, I went vegetarian first. I was vegetarian for about a year. Um, And then I was writing a poem about a chicken. Um, And, you know, still a vegetarian, I realized while I was writing the poem that I was completely denying the cruelty um, that I was causing to chickens on a daily basis by eating eggs. I mean, I had been reading the Farm Sanctuary website 
for a year, <laughs> I knew the facts. Um, so really, like in while I was writing the poem and unable to completely connect with the chicken who I was writing about, because uh, I knew I was hurting chickens, I just went vegan on the spot. Um, at that moment, I was 35 years old. So that was 11 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, a, f- a few, gosh, it was two months after I went vegan, I found out I had, this is getting kind of heavy, but <laughs> I found out I had um, colorectal cancer uh, t- about two months out after I, f- I went vegan. Um, and again, Farm Sanctuary, um, Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary, he's the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary. He recommended the book, The China Study, to me, um, and I read it while I was going through chemotherapy. And what I learned from the book was that being vegan was as important, you know, for for my own health um, as it was for the animal's health. I was going to, you know, fend off this cancer by um, by maintaining a vegan diet. I was already 100% committed, um, but that book is what made me vegan also for my health in addition uh, to being vegan for the animals. Wow. You got a little bit of all sides of it. Yeah, that is yeah. quite the story. <laughs> um, and so and so you obviously recovered from... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, it was, you know, a decade ago now uh, that I finished all my cancer treatments more than a decade ago. And... Um, and yeah, no, I've been really healthy and I, you know, credit veganism with a lot of that. I had stage three colorectal cancer, so there was always the chance that it could come back, but I'm, I'm healthy. Wow. That's, that is quite mm-hmm. the story. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> but congratulations on being cancer free. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thanks. And lo- looking so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in general, um, you're a very, yes, youthful looking yeah, person. Yeah, my goodness. Not, <laughs> not that you're, not that you're old. I didn't want to, like, <laughs> don't mean it like oh, that. that. Yeah, don't mean it like that. But like, you're just you're very, you know, veganism looks good on you. It does. Um, yeah. It Thanks. does. Um, well, it makes me feel good for sure. <laughs> So um, I had I, I had heard your name in the past um, from the book that you wrote about the animals at Farm Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you kind of get into writing and what kind of brought you to, um, I guess, that specific? I mean, I know you spent some time at Farm Sanctuary, so I'm sure that's how you got there. But how did you kind of get into writing and, and incorporating your veganism into that? Sure. Well, um, you know, the writing I do now as an adult is basically a continuation of the writing I did when I was young. And I always loved writing from the moment I could write. I mean, when I was in elementary school, I was making little books and with drawings and stapling them together. I always loved writing. So my writing as an adult grew out of that. Um, My children's books, Good Dog and Our Farm, uh, which is the book that you're talking about, Our Mm -hmm. Farm by the Animals, a farm sanctuary, um, a picture book for for little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so those books were all poetry and I always loved poetry. Um, Good Dog, the premise of Good Dog, which is out of print now, 
was that the poems were written from the dog's perspective. And, um, and with our farm, basically what happened was I went up to farm sanctuary and, and actually, I mean, our, our farm started to percolate before I went there when I was just kind of looking at the website all the time, it just struck me that the, the farm sanctuary was story um, was such an incredible piece of truth that um, it is possible to live without hurting other beings. And I had not gotten that previously. I mean, the, you know, some of it came through with the photographs at the website. And definitely when you go there, the vibe there is so peaceful. And the experience of being in a place where you're a guest in the farm animals home is so incredible. And I felt that it was really important to share this with children um, who have this natural connection with farmed animals. You know, children get it right away when they, when, if you introduce a child to a sheep or a pig or a cow, generally, I'm sh- there may be exceptions, but all the children I've seen with farmed animals, they, they make a connection with those animals immediately. Um, they don't look at a sheep generally and think, oh, I'd like to wear their coat or look at a cow and think, oh, I'd like to eat that cow. They, they have a very natural way of seeing farmed animals as sentient beings the way that a lot of us adults have to relearn to see them when we go vegan or before we go vegan. We, re- we relearn that connection, but children have such a natural connection. And it just was really clear to me that this was a story for a child, that, um, that, that telling, introducing children to the residents of Farm Sanctuary, the animal residents of Farm Sanctuary, um, it would, uh, introduce them to this truth that we can all live peacefully, um, but also reinforce their natural connection. And I really wanted to do that. Um, and we had already done this book, you know, my publisher and I, uh, good dog that told dogs stories from the perspective of the dog. So it was just very natural to do another book that was also telling other beings stories from their perspective. And that's how the book came about. And it's a collection of poems told from the perspective of the animal residents of Farm Sanctuary. That's awesome. I, um, Danny and I used to be tour guides at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And I can remember us having a conversation around what you were just saying uh, about something about how people look at cows or pigs and see food. And I can remember us talking one time about how that's so shocking because even before I went vegan, I don't think that I ever did that or was conscious Mm -hmm. of doing that, but so many people do. And I think you're so right that kids don't. And at a certain point that mindset does change when they learn what we all learn. Yeah. You grow like you grow out of your connection almost because mm-hmm. the world, you know, tells you it's changed. It's changing yeah. right now. Hopefully we're on the edge of that revolution. But like, yeah, the world tells you that you are going to eat meat for dinner mm-hmm. and then like, well, whatever. Yeah, you know, that's just what it is. So yeah. if you, you know, stop having something like your book that can just foster that connection that already exists, you know, yeah. and remind kids 
if, you know, they, they have these books and they're like, yes, this is why, maybe this is why I'm different. Cause I imagine kids too yeah. are very sensitive to the fact that they're different than their peers. So maybe having that book is like a comfort too, of like, well, you know, this is, this is why I do this thing for these, these animals and yeah, these, yeah. these folks. Yeah. So. I love that. Um, and so I, I have your, your vegan love book in my lap right now. Yep. <laughs> um, and so how did you, uh, what kind of inspired this book and, and what made you, because what I, I really, mm-hmm. um, think is so great about your book is that it's, there are not many, I can't really think of any other books like it. And one of the hardest things I think when you go vegan is navigating through your relationships with mm-hmm. other people and the way that veganism kind of alters so much of your life besides what you're choosing to eat. And so I, mm-hmm. I'm really curious about what brought this book on and how you decided what to include in it. Cause it really, I, I really think it's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I was inspired to write vegan love initially out of my own experiences dating as a vegan. Um, so I talked about how I had cancer when I was in my 30s. Um, and then after I was done with all of my cancer treatments, um, you know, I had only been vegan for about two months before I was diagnosed with cancer. So when I re-entered the dating scene after cancer, I was basically dating as a vegan for the first time. Um, and it was really funny. Some of the, I mean, now it's funny at the time it wasn't as funny, but some of the feedback I got from people who really loved me and wanted me to be a happy person, um, was just ridiculous. I mean, like one person said, um, you know, do you really think it's smart for a a single woman in her thirties to be vegan? Like, saying that it would make me seem high maintenance. Like I'm going to give up veganism because it makes me seem high, high maintenance, oh, you know, or what? <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous when, you know, to consider it, but for some people, they, they really saw it that way. And another friend who was totally well-meaning, we were hanging out, you know, we, we were having a girl's night out in New York city. Um, and she was, and we were talking about, dating and online dating. And she was like, don't tell them that you're vegan. And I, I, you know, it took me a moment. I mean, there had been a little bit of like, oh, how are people going to react to this to me being vegan in my head? But when I really considered it, I realized that, you know, I'm doing something, I'm saving animals lives. I'm saving my own life. I'm saving the planet. Like that's a beautiful thing. Why would I Why would, deny? Not, yeah, it's not a shameful thing. Yeah. Like, oh, don't tell them about that. <laughs> yeah, but yet there was, you know, this fear, and um, and it was a lot in the people around me. But I had to admit, even a little bit inside me, I was nervous about how people would respond. But I, you know, I realized it was this great part of me. I didn't want to go out with people who didn't see it as a great part of me. Um, and I just decided to be an out and proud vegan and, um, put it in my online dating profile, which was mostly how I was dating at the time was online dating. Um, and what I found was that as with most fears, it was just a fear and the people who I dated really reacted well and generally respected and, and and admired, you know, that I was vegan. And this was you know, 10 years ago, veganism wasn't even as popular then as it is 
now. Um, and it was fine. And if people, you know, weren't totally supportive, then that wasn't a person who I wanted in my life. Like, why would I want to date someone who didn't see vegan as veganism as a positive thing? Um, and I wrote, I wrote an article about it and it really struck a chord with people, uh, with readers. Um, you know, my experience of dating as a vegan and discovering that the, that truth is, you know, being honest, honesty is your best policy is what I learned, which is an age old truth, but I had to learn it again, you know, that it's best to be out and proud and vegan and honest. Um, and I, I ended up actually meeting someone who was vegetarian at the time I met him. Uh, we started dating a few weeks later, he went vegan and we're still together. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, um, but yeah, it struck, I wrote an article about my experiences and it struck a chord with people. And I realized that there really, um, needed to be more support for people in this area. There was, there wasn't a lot of support for vegans who were dating, who, who maybe wanted to have a vegan wedding, um, who were living with someone who wasn't vegan. So those are all topics I addressed in the book. Um, and it was really important to me not to be, not to take a guru stance. Like I really didn't want to be a guru. I was really speaking out of my own experience. Um, and my experience is valuable, but I don't know everything. So what I did was I interviewed more than three dozen other people when I wrote the book. Um, and I just wanted to compile a collective wisdom of lots of different vegans experiences and their partners and to get uh, an idea of what the reality was. And what I found the reality was, was that vegan love spreads. And my experience with a partner going vegan soon after we got together was not unusual, but lots of people shared experiences that when as vegans, they dated or moved in with um, or married non-vegans. Those non-vegans, more often than not, moved in a vegan direction. So they started causing less suffering in their lives just because a vegan had opened their heart to them. Um, so it was just a really incredible process of discovering that you know, there's, you know, there's truth in numbers and the numbers say that vegan love spreads. Mm -hmm. I just love that, you know, like, especially right now, there's so much hatred, you know, in our culture. And so it's true. just so reassuring to know that, um, that love spreads. I like, I really enjoy that aspect of, of I enjoyed that aspect of the project. Um, it was surprising and and uh, and really heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I really like the way too that you said that you know these things happen by a vegan opening their heart to someone because it's mm -hmm. not always the um, experience. Uh, often, friendship, relationship, you know, love interests or what have you. You know, a lot of people are like, "Well, go vegan right now or else," Absolutely. and instead of opening your heart and just continuing to be compassionate and understanding, um, they take more of an aggressive stance on it. So it's nice to think of it as like you open your heart and you kind of just 
show them the way it's a much more loving way of of doing things and like you said then love spreads yeah absolutely yeah. um exactly. i really liked reading the different the stories from different people in your book i was um really mm-hmm. surprised uh when i read um jane vles mitchell's story because she doesn't it, this well i don't know her but she did she <laughs> i was surprised that she would have been somebody to have gotten into a relationship with somebody who wasn't initially a vegan so it was really interesting to read that story because i know her i know of her and her partner as who they are today so it was really interesting to read that when they first got together that her partner wasn't a vegan um so i really like how you have like the different compilation of stories and everybody's different expertise i thought that actually really made for a very non-biased perspective from your book there's no real this is i think you should do this or this it's very supportive for what everybody chooses to do with their own relationships and i think that's really great too mm-hmm. oh thanks yeah um yeah it's so interesting well jane's partner donna um she, yeah she's like a huge animal rights activist now like today she's really speaking up for the animals yes and and when they first met, um, Donna became interested in veganism because someone who she cared about was so passionate about the cause and it just caused her to research it more. So it was a real case of, you know, someone living an example of a happy, healthy, passionate vegan inspiring the person who loved them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. and you, um, it, it's interesting cause two of the things that you touched on from your book are like literally me and Danny's current lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, cause I, I am in a, um, I am in a relationship with somebody who is not a vegan and Danny is in the mm-hmm. process of planning a vegan wedding. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so you're like speaking to the two of us directly and it's, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting what, um, you were saying and then Danny built off of, because I was that person who, when I first started seeing my current partner, I said to him, you know, I could never, I I can't date someone who's not a vegan. So sorry. And I was really aggressive about it. And I obviously changed my mind and was, you know, feeling probably more defensive than anything in that original stance, because I was worried maybe more so what his response to my veganism was going to be, not necessarily the other way around. So it's interesting um, that the idea of opening your heart to people, because I think we're very quick to assume that they won't open their hearts to us. Kind of like you were saying, people told you mm-hmm. not to say that you were vegan. Mm-hmm. I think it's, we, we might yeah. assume that people aren't going to be as welcoming of us. So we tend to not be as welcoming of them. So I really love that idea of opening your heart as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. And as you've both sort of touched on, like it really, you know, we have a choice in how we present our veganism to other people. and if we are aggressive towards other people right off the bat and we can expect the same in return, but if we're gentle and kind and just sort of drop it into conversation that we're vegan, you know, there's no reason someone's going to attack us. If they did, that's definitely not a person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with any, you know, if you're sharing any quality about yourself that somebody responds negatively to, that's not somebody you want in your life, whether it's veganism or, whatever else you know yeah Yeah. same thing with the the vegan wedding um you know I definitely have gotten some pushback not from many people I mean I'm lucky enough um to have most people in my life either be vegan or 
super respectful of my veganism. And it's just that those people, you know, love and respect me. It has nothing to do with, you know, I don't seek out just vegan friends or (laughs) convert all my friends or anything like that. But I definitely, in regards to my wedding, got some pushback from some, um, you know, some family members and things like that. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, this is what I'm, for me, it was like, well, this is what I'm doing. It's, you know, it's my day and I don't want to have to think about, you know, someone else suffering or having suffered so that someone at my wedding, like it's all about love on a wedding day, right? Like it's so, and it was kind of, you know, it was a little bit difficult to uh, maneuver those waters, but it definitely, you know, went over well. And then actually when I just went home recently, I, um, my fiance, the silent producer, um, and, and I bought some vegan cupcakes and brought them to some skeptical family members. And they were like, Oh, well, I'll come to the wedding now. Like they were going to come anyway, but they were, they were definitely like, Oh, well, if this is the food that we're going to yeah. eat. Then like, okay. So yeah. Yeah. It's funny how people have an idea of veganism being, you know, that it's deprima- deprivation and and boring and all these things. And it's like, yeah, it's amazing what a cupcake mm-hmm. can do. <laughs> yeah. Earlier I made a joke because I had someone give me a bag of spinach at work because they just had an extra bag of spinach. I was like, well, of course, I'm going to just sit here and, you know, I'm going to eat it. I'm vegan. What else do I eat? <laughs> and I think people really, nobody at work actually thinks that, by the way. But like, I think some people do think that, right? Yeah. Like that all we do is sit and eat spinach. All day. Which is fine yeah. if you're very healthy, you know, you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing <laughs> Also note that Danny works for a, a community garden yeah. organization, which is why there's extra bags of spinach. Oh, yes, I should say that. <laughs> that might be an odd thing if you don't know that about Not her. coming from a vegan. <laughs> bags of spinach at work, man. It makes sense. <laughs> um, so I, there's also a, a lot in your book about just kind of like lifestyle in general. You've got the cruelty-free aspects mm-hmm. and fashion and makeup and and all of that. Did you, I would imagine doing the um, research for that was probably kind of fun with like the makeup aspect and all of the, the different things you probably got to play with. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I had to sample oh, of the products. <laughs> so I like my journey around... Um, New York City, kind of in the Union Square area, and went on a, a big vegan makeup research adventure. Um, and it was really fun. I went to the ELF store and stocked up there, mm-hmm. all vegan. And I went to um, Sephora and, you know, did a sort of visit, visit around to the different lines that have vegan products and all that kind of stuff. Came home with a batch of vegan makeup to write about. And I also went online and discovered all these great, you know, smaller companies that aren't in Sephora um, that are producing wonderful vegan makeup, like um, Color yeah, Me Chad, yes. who he does amazing um, vegan lipsticks. And he is a makeup artist who just wasn't happy with what was available um, that was vegan, what vegan lipsticks were available as a makeup artist. So you know his lipsticks are awesome because he's coming from a makeup artist's perspective. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the clothing was fun too. Um, I went to like some thrift shops and yeah, it was really, it was really great. And with the clothing, I wanted to stress sort of being kind to the environment while you're being kind to the animals. And, you know, so much clothing ends up 
in the trash. You know, people talk about, um, you know, donating clothing, but, but a lot of the clothing that's donated still ends up in the trash. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, I, I, uh, really wanted to stress, you know, being kind to the environment while we're being kind to the animals. That's lovely. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say, I really like that. Yeah. I, um, I've made most, most of my adult life I've worked in retail. So I definitely understand the side of, um, the fashion industry that mostly just ends up in the garbage, unfortunately. So I, I like the the whole movement towards being a little bit more aware of things like that because it's not something that I think a lot of people really think about at all, really. You know? Yeah, and and I'm not saying I'm a saint, like, and and that no one should buy new clothing, but I'm just sort of promoting, you know, being mindful of like how much we buy and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, so I. I just so one thing that I um that Danny and I talk kind of a lot about is is people thinking that veganism is unattainable and it's so hard or it's so expensive or it's so this or it's so that and one of the things that I really appreciated about your book as well was um how you break it down so easily like you have a chapter about vegan friendly date destinations and like just different ways to make things a little bit more easy and attainable so do you um, do you get that? Do you ever get that feedback that, you know, things are, it's really hard to be vegan or it's really hard to be cruelty free or it's really hard to be conscious about my fashion or this, that, and the other thing. And how do you kind of respond to people about that? I get questions a, a lot. Um, yeah. From, from mm-hmm. like non-vegans who when they consider a vegan lifestyle, they're like, oh, how do you find a warm winter sweater? You know, that kind of thing. and. I find that it's, you know, with everything, um, to just share how enthusiastic I am about what the options are, the vegan options, and just to share what the, the abundance is, um, is just always the best way for me to, to approach it when people ask me those kinds of questions. Um, because there are, there's always an abundance of vegan options and, um, yeah, with, with dating, you're reminding me of a story of someone I interviewed for the, Oh, I didn't actually officially interview her because she wanted to stay anonymous. She actually didn't want to be in the book, but she wanted to talk to me mm-hmm. about her experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and this woman uh, was, was dating. Um, and she went out on a date with a new person, new man. And um she was she was afraid to tell him that she was vegan she cuz for all the reasons you know we talked about that she was worried he'd think she was high maintenance you know all the fear um and yeah and so they went someplace and he ordered all the food and none of it was vegan and she sat there and suffered and didn't eat she she wasn't able to eat anything and of course she had a miserable time on this date um and yeah and that was sort of the one horror story I heard when I was researching the book um and it was because you know she was acting out of fear and and not comfortable telling her date that she was Mm -hmm. vegan um so I I I always believe that there's a, a vegan way to do everything um, and that when we come from 
kind of a place of fear, then we don't find those vegan ways. But that if we, the more and more we acknowledge the abundance of veganism, the more and more we see those vegan avenues. Like if your date suggests, you know, going to the circus, then, you know, suggest going to a botanical garden instead, you know, Um, there's, there's always a vegan path, I believe. And, um, and it can, you know, if you're dating a non-vegan, like they might, might pick something to do that is totally not vegan friendly, but it's always okay to speak up and, you know, suggest something that's going to be kinder to the animals. When, um, when my boyfriend and I first started dating, there was a, um, him and his family were, uh, well, he was, he, I don't, I'm not even sure if the plan was really set into motion, but there had been a discussion about a family trip down to the Bronx Zoo. And I, um, I was like, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, that's being vegan. That's something I'm really not comfortable mm-hmm. with. And it was definitely kind of like an awkward conversation. Cause I think sometimes it's hard for people who don't know or don't understand to follow that kind of logic. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around zoos in general, but, you know, at the end of the day, he, I think, realized that even if I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to compromise the way I feel about this and go with you, that it probably wouldn't have been a great experience for everybody else because I, I would have been like that skit from Saturday Night Live, the Debbie Downer, yeah. <laughs> following everybody around yeah. and everybody's ooing and eyeing at the animals. And I'm like, well, just so you know, <laughs> you know, so I think, um, yeah. I think, uh, there's definitely, you know, an element of compromise that needs to be had and a level of understanding. And I'm all about the education in situations like that. You know, if I'm uncomfortable doing something, I want to explain why, and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm using any and all opportunities to educate around why I'm making the choices that I'm making, because I have to hope that maybe, it'll help somebody to maybe also make a different choice or what have you. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I, I was also thinking about, as you were telling that story, I was also thinking about something that kind of comes up in, in my relationship a lot now is, I mean, obviously he knows that I'm vegan, but there's the frequent conversation when we're trying to pick a place to go for dinner where it's like, he wants me to pick because I, you know, let's go someplace where you can actually eat and let's go someplace where they have good vegan options and this, that, and the other thing. And I am definitely guilty of not wanting to be fussed over, mm-hmm. even though that's not what he thinks he's doing. But I'm like, no, 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 you just pick. I can eat anywhere. I can oh, eat I anywhere, which thing. is true. I can eat anywhere, but I don't necessarily want to. <laughs> right. Like, like a place right. that has a Beyond yeah. Burger versus a place you're going to end up eating fries yeah. and a salad with no dressing. Correct. Yeah. So at the same token, I don't want to seem needy or that high maintenance person that, you know, you might that you fear that you're going to be seen as. So I pull the, oh, no, no, let's go anywhere. I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere. And then I might be that person who's sitting at dinner eating her salad and fries and sulking because she she didn't want to go there, but didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So I I really had to learn to speak up for myself and learn that, you know, it's okay. He's he's he has accepted that you're a vegan and your family has accepted that you're a vegan and your friends accept that you're a vegan. So don't be quiet about the things that you have chosen for yourself. And when people ask and want to accommodate you, let them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so interesting how that's a hard thing for me sometimes and for other people too, I think. 
Yeah. And I think it is for a lot of people. And yeah. And that was Mm -hmm. why I wanted to write the book because I I was one of those people too, who was, I mean, I was a little nervous at first and then it was just going out there. Mm -hmm. I saw like you that other people, you know, not only accepted it, but often really respected. Oh, absolutely. And And I, um, like I said, my current partner is not a vegan. Um, and I, we've been together for a little while now and he has definitely made some more compassionate choices and definitely has changed the way that he eats. But I, I don't hold my breath for him ever being completely vegan. Um, because that's, you know, if he makes that choice, I want him to make it for him. You know, of course I'm happy to inspire, but (laughs) I want him to, to make it for his own reasons. Um, but uh, like I said, when when we first started yeah. dating, I was definitely not keen on the idea. So it's it's important to, as with anything, communicate, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And that's really what a lot of the book gets at, too, is, um, you know, that we can't force our partners to be to be vegan. But and, you know, we all hate it when the people who we love try to change who we are. No, no mm-hmm. one really likes that. Um, so, you know, if we're, if we, if, if I tried to make, uh, Dietrich, who's my partner, if I had tried to make him vegan when we started dating, he probably would have, it probably would have put him off of it even more. Um, and, but the, but non-vegans will definitely have a better chance of moving in a vegan direction, you know, if they spend time with mm-hmm. a vegan who they love. And yeah. 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 I, I wish that I had known about your book sooner. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say when it was like, when you were on the cusp of yeah, entering this when, relationship. Um, for the very <laughs> short time. Well, not, not that short, but for the uh, amount of time that I was a single vegan, um, it, I never, I guess I never really spent that much time thinking about that if I would or wouldn't date somebody who wasn't vegan. Cause I just always assumed that whoever I dated would be a vegan. Cause that's the hope and dream that you have. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I went vegan alongside somebody that I was dating. So I never really had to experience the, the, what do I do in a dating situation until I met my current partner. So it was right. just, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I think so many people struggle with it because uh, Danny and I did an episode mm-hmm. previously around the dating subject and had mm-hmm. some people tell us right into us whether or not they would date somebody who wasn't vegan oh my god and some we got people, a mixed bag yeah some people were very adamant that they would never yeah. do it like how could they you know love someone who didn't love yeah. the world the animals and themselves enough to be yeah. vegan and I was like Ooh. yeah it, it it was it definitely a mixed yeah. bag a lot of strong opinions on the subject and I, um, I, I just, I, I feel strongly that you shouldn't close yourself off Mm-mm. to any relationship because mm-hmm. meeting people is kind of what it's about. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I no, mean, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, for me, I mean, I definitely am glad that I left the door open and, um, and I lucked out, you know, my guys now a vegan, very committed activist, vegan. And, um, but I, I did find that for some people, um, as you said, like the, the, for the people who wrote into you, um, I, th- I, I found that some people, it's just too mm-hmm. much for them. It's, it's, it's very hard for some people to sit down across from someone who's eating an animal or, 
some people just are so repulsed by the idea of kissing someone who's just been sipping coffee with cow's milk in it. Um, I, I came to believe writing the book that some of us just are, are only going to be happy dating another vegan. Um, and then, but for a lot of us, you know, we're comfortable with an omnivore and then that means that omnivore has better chance of going vegan. So yeah, but I, um, yeah, I found, I think there are some people out there who just are, just cannot bear it, cannot bear to Mm -hmm. be dating a non-vegan. And I think there's almost, um, there's, you know, we talked about it, um, in the last episode that we had on the subject where I think that sometimes there can be almost a pressure too on vegans where you feel like, unfortunately, at least in my experience, I definitely felt this way. If you were to engage in a relationship with somebody who wasn't a vegan, that the vegan community may judge you a little bit. At least that's unfortunately the the Mm. community that we find ourselves in up here on occasion. Um, And so I think that it's, you know, that element of support. And again, that idea of opening your heart is just so important because you can't help who you connect with. Right. And, and like I said, I try to see everything as an educational opportunity. So if I meet somebody who's not a vegan, well, it's whether it's a potential partner or a friend or just somebody in passing, I'm always looking for those questions. I love answering the questions. Ask me all the questions. So I just think that, you know, every opportunity is something that should be looked at and we shouldn't feel worried about who's going to judge us or who's going to think what, or are we less of a vegan if we open our hearts to somebody who's not vegan and things like that. Right. Yeah. I think it makes you more vegan. The more yeah. the more you the more you open your heart to just the world around you and just compassion regardless, then I think that that goes back to the true meaning of veganism. Mm-hmm. So every time me every time one of us yeah. says open your heart, I want to start singing Madonna. <laughs> you hold the lock and I hold the key. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the wedding. You can Ooh, do a solo. I, I plan to do a solo at your wedding. <laughs> um speaking of weddings, um mm-hmm. how did you kind of put together all of the advice and information around planning a vegan wedding? Cuz I would imagine that that's and obviously Danny knows from firsthand experience, I have to think that that's um, not the easiest thing to do or find information about or have to be readily available. Oh, yeah. Well, I um, I approached the wedding chapter the same way I approached the rest of the book, mm-hmm. which was to interview people. Um, so the wedding chapter, uh, there there is some just straight kind of advice and tips um, such as how to find a Vera Wang dress that's vegan. And the trick is not buying <laughs> dresses. Um, but, um, yeah, I interviewed a lot of people and just heard the most wonderful stories about how, how people found their way to have a vegan wedding. And, um, you know, it was, people were able to do all kinds of weddings, you know, big, expensive productions and small, simple ceremonies. Um, there was always a vegan way. And um, one of the one of the couples I interviewed had a, a Hindu and Jewish wedding, and they found everything they needed. Um, it was just, yeah, I, I, uh, I spoke with the brides and I found out a few things that I never would have guessed. Um, 
one of the things was that a lot of venues come with built-in caterers, um, which I had no idea about. So that was really interesting to learn. So what that means is that with certain venues, if you rent the, the space, you're required to work with a caterer um, that the sure. venue works with. And that, yeah, that can mean, mean good, good food or yeah. that can mean really <laughs> bad food. Um, so a, a few people advise, you know, to try to find a venue that you can pick your own caterer um, so that you can work with maybe a vegan caterer or someone who's vegan friendly. And, and people got really creative where, where they got food. Um, a couple of people went, uh, worked with mm. restaurants they really liked. Um, you know, it, a, a restaurant might be really excited to work with you if, if they see you in their establishment all the time and you say, Hey, I'd love you to cater my wedding and do it vegan. You know, they may, they may be really honored to do that. Um, yeah, and the, and the dresses were interesting because, um, you know, most of these big gowns that we see on TV at, you know, Kleinfeld are made of silk. Um, in fact, I called Kleinfeld when I was researching the book and asked them, or I emailed them and asked them if they had any vegan dresses, and they did not oh have God. one. And oh um, yeah, it's like a lot of the sort of images we get in our head around weddings can be not vegan friendly and i'm thinking specifically about mm -hmm. those big princess gowns um but when i was interviewing people for the book they shared all their sort of ways around the big silk dress and there were plenty of ways around it just um it took getting a little creative um have you had any, I mean, you're pretty much done, Danny, but did you have any struggles finding a vegan dress or anything like that? Um, not really, but that's, that's because I, I mean, to be honest, it's a lot of just like kind of, kind of a more advanced version of going out to eat, right? Like you look at menus, you mm -hmm. do your research beforehand, um, slash don't get too attached to a place. So we, I mean, I was lucky enough to move everything, like, even though I had way too much time, I'm not getting married till October of this year. But as Kat knows, I did everything really quickly. And In debatably. like 24 hours, yeah. her wedding <laughs> was more or less planned. Oh, she was like, I'm, I'm engaged. And then the next day she was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. What's your wedding, wedding going to be like? Um, what do you so have we are getting married at Beardsley Castle, which was the first I don't I think we just went and looked at like semi, you know, local places that would be like relatively easy for everyone to get to and pretty. And we went and looked and, you know, they say, well, here here's the venue. And they one of the owners of the venue is also the head chef. And so they do require you to do the cooking um, to have all the food from them. And they're like, well, you know, here's the menu. And I was like, okay, well, can you do vegan options? And they're like, yeah, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I thought you were going to tell me I had like two choices. Yeah. Um, but they were like, no, you tell us what, like on this menu, what you would want to veganize and we can do whatever you want. And it's like absurd. We're having a taco bar and um, like a pasta station and all this great stuff. Um, so I got really lucky in that way. But it was also like, if they hadn't been able to work with me, I wasn't like, well, 
here's the phrase, but I wasn't married to it. Sure. Right. It's like keeping it, you know, keeping an open, an open mind, I think eases the process. Um, wedding, it was a small mm. place that also did uh wedding <laughs> dress. It was a small place that also did um like secondhand and thrifted things. My dress isn't one of those, but I just liked that concept that they did it. And so it was like just just going to those smaller places and and knowing you know, you go to these big venues, these big elaborate things, you're going to be presented with some challenges. Mm -hmm. So like, if you that's what you want in your wedding, right? It's your day, make it happen. But just know that that's going to be a little bit tough. And like flowers we're doing, we're picking, you know, our own flowers that are local and in season and just doing it like that, Mm -hmm. you know, because the most important thing is for me, I'm pretty simple in that it was just like, I just want to have a fun day with the people that I love. Mm -hmm. So that (laughs) that was you know, that's why it was easy for me. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I know what's important to me and that's the people around me that it is vegan, environmentally friendly, you know, as possible. Um, but yeah. Mm. So, and, um, nice. sounds amazing. yeah, I, I'm personally really excited about it. <laughs> um, and Danny and Andy actually did their insanely beautiful engagement photos at mm-hmm. farm sanctuary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. We got great. a private tour. You know, we talked to them. We're like, hey, can we use this for, you know, and they're like, sure, you just have to, you know, we'll give you a private tour guide to take you into all of the different um, enclosures for the for the residents there. And we did. We got to hang out with them all. And it was it was great. And the photos are insane. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. Some of the most some of the most attractive goats wow. ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were like, well, we don't they've done weddings at Farm Sanctuary, but they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know if we've ever had an engagement shoot. I'm like, well, we're not much of a Hello. traditionalist. Yeah. yeah. In the way of like standing behind a tree and peeking out behind <laughs> and doing all those things. But we wanted something that represented us and, you know, our relationship and, and what matter. And so we're like, oh, Farm yeah. Sanctuary is great. Yeah, they turned out beautiful. They're yeah, great photos. They are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess maybe my last question for you, Maya, would be what, and maybe this is a long-winded question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what would you, you know, what would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody joining the dating scene as a brand new vegan? Um, I think it's it comes back to this idea that honesty mm-hmm. is your best policy. Um, and in order for us to be honest with other people, we have to be honest with ourselves. So um, just as with anything that's like a core belief or value, uh, to just stand in that truth. Like if you're vegan, um, just know it's for for wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reasons. It's a beautiful part of you. Don't be afraid to share it with other people. And if other people don't embrace it, then feel free to let them mm. go. That's I like fine. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have one last question that we ask all mm. of our guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this might I'll, be yeah, the hardest I know, question. This might be the hardest one. Um, I'll let I'll let Danny take the wheel because this is her mm. this is her thing. Um, <laughs> we would like to know your favorite vegan meal of all time and I know that can <laughs> oh my that can be at a restaurant like some one restaurant that you go to and you get this thing or it can be something that you make at home but like your favorite all-time vegan meal and I apologize for this question <laughs> oh my god okay I'm I'm spacing on the name of the 
restaurant right now. Um, okay, I got it. This um, there is a French mm. bistro that's all mm. vegan um, in the West Village of New York City called Delice mm. and Saracen, um, and they have a homemade cheese plate there oh. that's incredible. All vegan, obviously, like all all vegan, all vegan French bistro food, tiny little sweet, sweet family owned restaurant, West Village, New York City. Um, and at Delice and Saracen, yes, the cheese plate is an absolute must. Um, and I've had a few great meals there, but my favorite was they did mm. a vegan crepe and it was incredible. Um, so I would say. That restaurant, there have been a few amazing options, but I would say um, the cheese plate and a and a crab were probably Ooh, the greatest I'll have to things. Put that to on my there. list. I feel like um, whenever I go to New York, I always go to the same places because I'm a creature of habit. I think I've seen this place. I yeah, hit I Happy Cow once, and like you know, one billion things show up yeah. on Happy Cow. But I remember looking at it and being like, "This place is like intense because yeah. like they have really good options, and they're all." yeah I think I'm familiar with it as well I'll have to put it on the list for next time I'm in New York because mm-hmm. that sounds good yeah yeah and definitely make a reservation if you want to go because it's all right a little itty bitty right. restaurant we're gonna do it we're gonna go and they fill up mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um well I think that's all I mean I yeah. do you have anything else no just anything um, where can um yeah where, where can, can people, people find, find you, you Maya? Okay, so I have a website. Um, it is Maya, like my name, M A Y A, and then B I D A Y A dot com, MayaBadaya.com. And I'm also at Maya Badaya, same thing, M A Y A B I D A Y A, on Instagram and Twitter and awesome. Facebook. Also. Yay! Well, thank you for taking <laughs> yeah, the time so to much. talk about love and all the other good stuff with Ooh. us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this weird thing. Fuck is that? <laughs> I think it's a tomato. Is that from a commercial? I don't know. I found it on the internet. I think that's from a commercial. Look at this. It was like a thing. It's weird. Right? It's like a know. dancing tomato. It's from a commercial. I don't know. Anyway. Well, that was nice to talk to Maya. <laughs> yeah. She seems like a cool person. She does seem like a cool person. And I really do like the, I don't know, the just the overall message about love. And like vegan love, not just in the way of like what you think it should be. Sure. It's very much like an open, just spreading love, being yeah. open, opening your heart and letting other people in and, and just just everything. Yeah. Like both, you know, relationship like love interest friendships parents helps you navigate all that shit um and it really this book is like really not in my opinion it's not biased like it really Mm -mm. doesn't it covers all the bases it really doesn't say you should do this you shouldn't do this you should do this you shouldn't do this it's more of like a here are some options for you that may work that may not work and here's Mm -hmm. some tips and tricks for navigating through it Mm -hmm. um so i don't know it's really cool and i again i don't 
think there's really a lot of other books out there like this so yeah I don't think so either it's really like a, I mean it's it's obviously in large part around dating and relationships but it also really kind of guides you through some of the other things that change in your life when you become a vegan that you don't realize are going to change and that you have to slash should be aware of so just a really comprehensive little uh little guide here I'm into it I like it yeah and she was really cool I like talking to her so yeah so go get her book. I yes. also, I didn't, I meant to ask her about it and totally forgot until right now. Um, the illustrations on the cover and throughout the book are so cool. They're fun. The um, person who did them, Darcy, Dame Darcy, um, they're just so rad. I'm like really into it. I like the the, the eggplant. Um, and then these two chicks with their tattoos and their cool hair. And it's just like really, I don't know. It's a cool book. Go get it. Do we know about Dame Darcy? Where do I know Dame Darcy? I don't know. Do you know Dame Darcy? Are you looking? Um, yes, actually. She's a cartoonist, it looks like. Yes. She is friends with Miss Cherry Delight. Ah. Who we know from Guar Concerts. Small world. So that's that's where the name the names connect for you. Yay! Ah, so yeah, cool episode. I dug it. It's it, I like all these um these, these cool, cool cool people we've been talking to. I was lately. gonna say we're kind of like I don't know. It makes me feel like we're cool. We're not, or maybe we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're cool. I think people well. think we're cool. Well, oh, you know what else I forgot to mention? Um, I went to this book event on Saturday. That was really fucking cool. Um, and I, I think I, God, I really should have asked more questions. I'm going to like go back and ask more questions. But, um, so I went to this book event at the Stuyvesant book store that I can't remember the name of the Stuyvesant Plaza bookstore, the little books, Mm. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I can't remember. It's like book corner or something. I'm sorry. Stuyvesant Plaza bookstore, (laughs) but it was a, um, author, uh, an author event, um, for this book that's, or that just came out. Um, the name of the book is long live the tribe of fatherless girls. Um, and I started reading it already and it's so good. That sounds really familiar. What's it about? Um, it's about this girl, this really beautiful girl, um, who, was a long story short it's like kind of a complicated story and I hope I get it right but her mother um had an affair with the brother of Steve Madden um so John Madden and um John Madden I guess had like a family and a wife um but was having an affair with um this woman and this the woman ends up getting pregnant and he's like well like we I can't have this so like do something about this and she has the baby but she gives the baby up for adoption Mm. and then years later um he his his actual wife passes away Mm -hmm. and at that point she had got his mistress had gotten pregnant again and this time she had the baby so when his wife died he marries her and like moves them into the house and all of that so kira the second daughter grew up with her mother and her father in this like really kind of weird tumultuous like different very different life and then as an adult um through ancestry.com found her sister who had been put up for adoption earlier from the beginning of their relationship and she wrote a book about it um the second daughter kira she wrote a book about it and she um she's like beautiful young girl um her 
girlfriend Hannah's mother, Cynthia, is on the board at the Mohawk Hudson Humane Society. Mm. Um, and her mother is was vegetarian and is newly vegan. And I think her daughter Hannah and Hannah's girlfriend Kira, this author, I think are also vegan. Um, she had a V on her wrist, and I thought I remembered because Mike's mom knows them, so that's how I went to this event. And I thought I remembered her telling me they were vegan, but like it was there was so much going on mm-hmm. and there was so much happening, and I wanted to ask, but I was like, I don't really, you know, I I missed right. my opportunity, so I was gonna reach out to her um, and find out if she is in fact vegan. That'd be cool. Maybe we can talk to her. But the book is like mm-hmm. I read like the first couple of chapters already, and it's so well written, it's so beautifully written, and it's like such a cool story. So um, go find that book as well. I'll go find it after yeah. you read it and you let me borrow it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Because <laughs> that sounds really cool, though. Yeah. I'd like to read that. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. And it's even just like the first couple of chapters are just so fucking well written. Um, but the event was really cool because she had two of her friends read and her, uh, well, her, one of her friends and then her girlfriend, Hannah, read. And Hannah's a poet and her a lot of her poems were about coming out. And they were really like, it was, like, really compelling, but also, like, really raw and, like, the kind of stuff that you're, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, like, mm. you can write about that, you know? So it just made me think of it um, because of books I'm reading. <laughs> but anyway. Neat. Yeah. <sighs> done any good food lately? Um, so, like, I was telling Speaking you. Speaking yeah, you've done lately. Lauren made, um, well, so after that book event, I went to a cocktail party at Provence, which is not in any way shape no. or form vegan um but they all of the like food that they put out for the cocktail party was like hummus and vegetables and like the only thing that wasn't vegan was they had little balls of mozzarella right so like that was pretty cool so i ate a bunch of stuff there um but then um for leah's party on sunday lauren made this bomb beer cheese dip stuff that she made with follow your heart cheese and um, the Gouda kind. And I'd like to know like and... how she melted it so that it didn't oh, just like so end up like glue. God. It was so good. I don't know what else was in it besides beer and cheese, but it was so good. She made like little pretzels, like soft pretzels for us to dip it in. It was really, really, really good. Well done, Lauren. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the alleys made falafel, which was also really good. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Her house looks so different now that it's not your house. I know. <laughs> what a difference like using space differently makes you know it's like this doesn't even look like the same house so funny i also said to her i was like if i didn't know that you worked at lush your house would be really weird (laughs) she's got a fucking lush sign on the wall she's got um under her tv she's got like lotions i was like what is this a store (laughs) it's like if i didn't know you worked for lush your house would be weird (laughs) yeah she's Mm. funny yeah. Probably still a little weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird, but like. <laughs> Expected. Yeah. That's fine. Anyway. Um, I don't think I've eaten anything. I'm trying to think. Anything like outstanding lately, except for my discovery of the Coffee Mate half and half. I mean, they've always had the creamers, the sweet cream, the vanilla, I think a caramel creamer. But it's actual half and half. They have a vanilla half and half and um, an unsweetened. And I thought that was really cool. And of, at Walmart, of all places, so it was cheaper. And I just love the more vegan things we see in mainstream places like Walmart, the more impressed I get that we're on the edge of a food revolution. Um, but it was really good. I took a sip of it 
and I made Andy just take a sip of the half and half without like before I put it in coffee. Right. And Andy said it reminded him of like drinking those little just pocket like those weird little pod half and half creamer things that you get at like diners because Andy used to just drink those. Um, That it was very similar to that. So it was nice. It was great texture. It was very creamy. It freaked me out when I just drank it. And only a little bit of coconut taste, but not too much. Um, So if anyone can find that, it's a really good coffee, like to throw in your coffee. It's really nice. I'll have to check it out. Yep. I think that's it. Like food wise. Other than Wegmans hummus, we tried edamame hummus that we had bought at Wegmans. Wegmans makes the best like their own brand hummus of all places. Oh, my God. It's so good. And talk to Casey. She should send us. You can get a tub. I'm literally talking to Casey right now. Tell her to get us (laughs) a tub of Wegmans hummus because they don't they come in small packs and then they come in something that's like this big. Yeah. Which is nice because I eat a whole little thing in one sitting. So they also have party packs of hummus where you can get four different kinds in one pack thing. So you could like bring it to an event. And I like that. But yeah, that's that's it. And I know Andy said that we should mention all the things. We didn't get to try them yet, but all the things we want to try that because the Natural Products Expo just happened. And Veg News um, always updates with like the things that they've seen. But, you know, I feel like historically, whenever I see all these things, I can never find them. They never they never make their way to me. I never see them in, in the wild. I know it can be tough. Like, I still haven't found the um, uh, follow your heart egg. Yeah. They're just the poor. Yeah. Or there was like a pancake mix or something. Yeah, it was a pancake mix. That's what I was thinking. I'm sorry. Not egg. Yeah. The yeah. Egg. The pancake. The, the pancake yeah. mix is just you pour. Yeah. yeah no. Never saw that. What got me on the coffee mate that I was surprised is that they make an oat milk creamer mm. that was at the Natural Products Expo. And I was like, <gasps> yeah. yes, because... It is, we're going to, I would like to do an episode oh. on oats, by the way. I was just going to say, speaking of oats. Because oats, um, everything. Amy also sent me, she just sent me a screenshot. She didn't send me the actual article that Starbucks in the U.S. is going to start carrying oat milk. What? Yeah, she just sent me a screenshot, though. It's not the actual article. What is so it? So it says Starbucks will start making oat milk lattes in the U.S. It's hmm. from Bustle. I'm sure I could easily find it, but Yeah. See, this is what I'm confused about because I actually posted this picture of the half and half that I got at the Natural Products Expo, but it's already at Walmart. So maybe things do get to us. Maybe. Um, I hope so because they have New Barn is making dips, almond dips. I don't know if you saw that. They're Mm -hmm. making habanero, lemon dill, garden herb dips that I want to try. What else is big? Um, the, I think, I, I don't know if I sent you a picture or not. Those, um, Daya ice cream bars that yep. I found at ShopRite are actually really fucking good. Are they? It's like, why can't, why are some things from Daya actually good and some things are disgusting? Like, why can't we just get on the same page? I don't know. <laughs> but they're really, really good. They, there's nothing weird about them. They don't have any weird taste. Hmm. They're really good. I got the, I think just... I don't remember what flavor I got, but they were really good. Hmm. Yeah. Wish I um, could find. Coffee Giant Starbucks will start offering the dairy-free substitute Tuesday at five locations. Motherfucker. Five locations in the <laughs> five entire locations, United States. Which probably means New York, New York City, City or um, California, San Francisco. There you go. Yep. Um, 
five Starbucks reserved locations in three cities, Seattle, San Francisco, and New York. But I'm sure that it's going to do huge and then it'll come everywhere because everybody loves oat milk. Um, I also thought of another thing I was going to tell you and I don't remember what it was. Jog my memory. What were you talking about? Um, food. Oat milk. Oat revolution. Oat revolution. I don't know. It'll probably come to me the second we stop recording. We can keep talking about oat milk. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, I was going to say another thing I was excited about. Because, no. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, then we're done with the podcast. Okay, bye. Yep, thanks for listening. <laughs> Is that really it? I don't know. I was going to say another <laughs> oh thing God. I was excited for, but Andy said no, so I'm done. I want to know. No. Oh, I've remembered. Okay, oh, continue. Mine's not, it's not very vegan. Well, mine's not allowed, so... <laughs> Go ahead. No, tell me the thing you're excited no, for because mine's not now. related to vegan food at care. all in any way, shape, or form. That sucks. <laughs> I'm not doing it now. Andy's going to regret that he's a fucking asshole. I, so. I actually don't think that he will. No, but anyway. he won't. <laughs> until I'm like, no, I was really upset because there was no reason I couldn't talk about it. Um, have you... I'll, I'll go and then you'll calm down and tell us your nope. thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever tried a bullet journal? I was like, the first thing that came to mind was bullet coffee and i was like no that stuff has butter in it <laughs> i don't even know what so that is. no it's weird it's literally like butter melted into coffee oh, it's that disgusting. sounds disgusting um a bullet journal no so me either because i it never interested me um but casey started doing casey started bullet journaling and she texted me like a couple weeks ago and said that it's like the most amazing thing it's keeping her mm. so organized she loves it so much and i was like yeah i don't know if i can like get into that and then yesterday I came home from spin class because that's who I am now. And Mike was like, So white. I know, right? Mike was like, Did you order a book? And I was like, No. He's like, Well, there's, there's something from Barnes and Noble. I was like, I definitely didn't order anything from Barnes and Noble. So I opened it up and Casey sent me a book about bullet journaling. It's like the art of bullet journaling. It's like the guy who invented it or whatever. Neat. So I'm going to give it a try. That's cool. Um, yeah, we'll see. I guess like she likes it because it you like can make lists and like you, she like sets herself time in the morning to make her list and then time at night to like re-look at her list and check off things. And she said it like keeps her more organized and focused and more productive. So I'm going to give it a try because I'm on this self-improvement kick. So we'll see how it goes. I like it. I mean, I don't I would try something like that because I love my planner. Like yeah, my I'm not very good at my, my planner. big planner because I do my hours. So like that's mm -hmm. how I break up my nine to five. And I have so many friggin things that I'm balancing today is sure. I do like, oh, first, you know, hour is email catch up and then two hours yes. on this, two hours on this hour on this. So like I love being organized like that. So I, I would. That's interesting. The that's, journaling. Um, yeah, I'm thinking I might like it because that's what we just started doing at the stores. Like we made a calendar and we're like Monday from this time to this time we do this and from this time to this time and then Tuesday we do this. Like so to keep us like more focused and on track because I really respond well to lists. I'm very list oriented mm -hmm. and I'm also very schedule oriented. So I think it'll help me. But I was just curious if you've ever bullet journaled. No, so but I could, get, I could get a bullet journal. We could do it together. Oh, do it. Can Casey send me a book? Too? Yeah, me and I'll tell her. Okay. That'd be nice. I mean, it's like fine if she doesn't want to. I mean, I could ask her. She um does. She signed up for like the Barnes and Noble 
membership thing that they always try to con you into, she actually did it. And she said she really thinks it's beneficial. So I'm sure she could send you one because she gets a discount. Great. Done, (laughs) done, and done. All right. Well, anyway, what was the thing you're excited about? The V-Spot bullet journaling now. (laughs) All right. Fine. That was it. Fine. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sponsored by Bullet Journal. (laughs) I wish. You hear that, Bullet Journal? Is that a brand as well? I don't as a, know. I like, think it's like a type of journal. I think it. I, I have actually questions. have no idea. I have it questions. may have originated as a type of thing. You know how like Passion Planner is a type of thing, mm-hmm. but then everybody got on board and made their own version of it. Right. I think that's probably what it is. It like started out as this thing, and then everybody made their own bullet journals. Interesting. It's literally like it's it's a journal with like um like uh. And you'll know what I'm talking about because I don't know my words, but like, um, like graph paper, like, mm-hmm. like math, you know, like Andy knows. <laughs> and you like literally make your own. You make your own. There's no like Monday, May 24th. There's no like guide. You like make all of your own whatever. And it doesn't have to just be actual journaling. Of course it can be, but you can do whatever kind of path you want to do. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sounds neat. Well, yeah. we'll uh, keep the folks listening posted. Yeah, cool. And uh, if you want to stay up to date with any other posts, or I guess go back to hear other things that we may have said in the past that maybe you want to remember, or I don't know, maybe we followed up on something else, and just go to the vspot.fm. Mm-hmm. You can listen to all our past things, keep up to date with all the happenings on our Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Andy's being very active with the Twitter now. So thanks to Andy for that because Ken, I don't uh, I use don't the tweeties. <laughs> I have one, but I don't ever use it except to yell at Starbucks for their poor customer service. I mean. <laughs> talk about yelling at a wall. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, that's it. Okay, bye. Yeah. Okay, bye. Oh, we have clickers here. Oh, shit. I forgot <sighs> that was a thing. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, ready? Gotta stick to our roots. Yes. Ready? Yeah. Oh, shit. Mm. I'm sorry. That's why you don't do it. <laughs> Ow. Oh, it was my fault.